Hello, everybody, and welcome to Friends of the Force, a Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Brad. And I'm your host, Sarah. And this is the Kenobi keynote where we talk all things Obi-Wan Kenobi. This week, we're diving into part five. There's only one episode left. I am not sure I'm willing to watch part six next week because then that means it's over. And I don't want Are you it to be kidding over. me? You're going to be up at three in the morning Eastern time watching this, despite the fact that you have to go to work next Wednesday. It's Schrodinger's Obi-Wan Kenobi. It is Schrodinger's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. If you don't watch it, it might not exist. It's like the archives. Except it Jedi archives. Definitely, it definitely does exist, though, because like everybody's going to be talking about it on Twitter by like 7 a.m. So. True. True. Yeah. Screenshots, <laughs> full clips, spoilers everywhere. Yeah, the whole the whole nine yards. OK, well, in case you haven't already listened to our podcast, we're recapping the episode, giving our thoughts and we are going full spoilers. So. We're just going to jump right into it because speaking of spoilers, <laughs> I don't know. Godspeed to anybody who didn't watch right off the bat Wednesday morning. Um, I actually woke up at like 545. I was just having a good feeling about this episode. I just felt like something was going to happen. I couldn't get back to sleep. So I was like, I'll just I'll just watch it. It's an hour long. I turned it on. We get the recap and starts with Coruscant. And I'm like, oh, we're getting a Bail Organa scene. He's at the Senate. He's going to call Obi-Wan see see what's up. You hey, thought are, that? Hey, are it's, you okay? It's literally over Anakin's shoulder. No, no, no. It starts just with the Coruscant buildings. Give me credit. Okay. Give me some credit here. Give me some credit. I thought maybe we were getting like a Bail Organa scene. Like he's just checking in on his pal and it starts zooming out. And then I see the Padawan braid and I was like, oh it, my God. Yeah. <laughs> the feeling I got, the feeling I'm getting right now, we're just rewatching it is like... <laughs> The camera zooming out <laughs> towards us felt like an inhale for all Star it's, Wars fans. It's the ponytail. It's the it's the Padawan raid. It's it's the fact that it's an attack. The clones era flashback. And then you turn around and then we get the reverse shot and it's the fucking mullet, man. It's the mullet. The it's mullet the is back. Mullet. I mean, we've kind of had mullet vibes for a lot of this series because he's been in the desert. It's just been a little longer, longer than usual. But like. It's the mullet mullet. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's looking good. 20 years later. It is looking good. And I would also like to say that Ewan and Hayden are also looking good. And anyone who's like, well, they look older now. Well, no shit. They're 20 years older now. And allow them to age. Yeah, I'm already so upset by all the people de-aging Hayden Christensen on YouTube thinking they did something. And I'm like, can you just let the man be 41 years old, please? He's trying his best and he looks great. In all seriousness, let them age. Like My it's God. okay that they're doing a flashback and they their skin isn't quite as smooth as it was 20 years ago. Like that's how aging works. But like I think as a society, we can be a little bit kinder to Ewan and Hayden in this scene because genuinely they both look pretty darn great. Yeah. Like if you can just actually have any sense of suspension of disbelief for like five minutes, like just get over it and watch it and enjoy it because like it's just so good. And I was really pleasantly surprised by what era we got the flashbacks in because people were speculating Me Clone Wars. Too. We thought maybe it would be Rots because Rots is the closest thing to the Obi-Wan series. And I was really surprised to get but not no, just Attack baby. of the Clones flashback, <laughs> like pre-Attack of the Clones. Anakin's got his hand. He's still got the yeah. Padawan braid, which we learned we yep. learned that he loses in in Brotherhood. Um so right away we're like, crap. I I my head canon is this takes place moments before they Padme calls them in to go to her apartment. Yeah. This that's Highly my headcanon. This is their training. They're about to get pulled out and go over there. 
yeah, I would say that that's highly possible. And yeah, they're not. Are they at the Jedi Temple, though? They are. They're they in the like, same spot that we see in the flashback of the first scene. Order 66. It's the same area. Yes, absolutely. And I, I do recognize that without a doubt. I'm like, oh, yes, they said we have one Jedi Temple set for you guys uh, <laughs> and you guys are just going to have to use it. <laughs> um, uh, but my question, because I, I guess I'm just not as acquainted with the Coruscant skyline, you know, as well as I would like to be. The, the, all of the angles outside of the, the High Council room. Well, you as know? a certified expert on the Coruscant skyline, I also don't know. Um, but I would like to imagine. Are you a certified expert? Then not that at feels all. like feels like you may have not. Um, your your certificate there is yeah. not a, doing you as much good as you would like. It's right off the back of a cereal box. Um, oh. Okay, so let's talk oh. about the flashbacks for a moment because that's one of the biggest parts of this episode. I think it's a reason why people revere this episode already. But I, I've heard some people say like, "Oh." The flashbacks blinds blinds people's opinions on this episode. And that's why everybody loves it so much. I disagree with that entirely. I think this episode does a lot of heavy work with the characters, with Obi-Wan and Anakin, the way that the battle juxtaposes alongside their current day battle and how Obi-Wan is using the lessons from, from that in a way. Not like a, that exact battle, but the battles, the many battles that he's had with Anakin over the time, right? He's using his... his thought of how Anakin functions in order to best him and to best Darth mm -hmm. Vader. And then Vader exactly. is still falling prey to the same mistakes. So I think as a storytelling device, it is informing the characters. We get a lot of great work with Reva. Tala has a huge sacrifice in this episode and it's so powerful. Leia has her moment. Uh, Haja's back. Like, and there's some good stuff with like Vader and, and Reva at the end as well. Um, flashing back to learn more about Reva's upbringing as a youngling and what she went through it's a really powerful episode and i don't think it's just because of a flashback you've completely failed to mention the grand inquisitor yes <laughs> king of drama is back he's, he's so extra so messy he's so extra he, that's why he's the grand inquisitor yeah and yes, I will talk in a dramatic voice whenever we talk about the Grand Inquisitor. It's so funny, though. I just love him. I really how, do. How so many people complain about breaking canon. It's like, if you just if you just be a little patient, just a little patient, guys, it's okay. I, I, <laughs> what's so clear to me with this show is that they are setting up and then they are paying off. And there's no way that they're not paying off their setups, you know, um, like there's no way because every moment that we've like the if Brad, Brad, you messaging me, I think on like episode three and you're like, oh, my God, the dialogue actually means something, <laughs> something a little bit petty about dialogue in general. But like. The, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, the Grand Inquisitor is going to come back. They're not going to they're not going to off him in the second episode only to not bring him back at all like they're not gonna do that fam they're not gonna do that they've been proving that they're picking up what they've put down yeah. you know um and it's it was so satisfying to see to see my boy back yeah it was it was great him. and they're clearly not gonna kill him off he's in rebels like come on we, they're, they're smarter oh, yeah. than that they're smarter yeah. than that somebody in the lucasfilm story group is not gonna be like yeah kill him off whatever like that, that's not gonna happen 
point being, don't expect season-long payoffs to happen in the first episode of the series because there is a story right. to tell and clearly the Grand Inquisitor comes back at a very important time for Reva to be super well, sassy and super extra and he's totally like that bitch, you know? Like, he is like, goodbye, oh, Grand Inquisitor. Is. I'm like, you he, didn't have to say that, dude. He, uh, well, well, yeah. I mean, if we establish <laughs> that he's that bitch here on the podcast, I do need you all to know that... Um, I when he came into the room again, I started yelling in my room, going, "The bitch is back! He's back!" Like <laughs> in a very complimentary sort of way, because um, I again, I love him. He's just full of drama. We love the Powins uh so much. So really yeah. regretting not getting the photo with Rupert friend at celebration because we were waiting I was for Kelly like, and he was no, over at the but booth. I was like we should well I just remember pitching it to you were like no like I think we like I think we're all booked for the weekend like we're busy we're doing a lot and I'm like yeah okay I guess uh and then I was like a little bit bummed but I was like I didn't want to pay for it by myself uh and then he's at okay now you can tell the rest of the story I was just sad because yeah. I was like we wanted to do a team up photo op and then we never did and then you were like we're too booked and then I was like but Rupert friend guys well, okay. it's just, you know, I was a little worried about important. how things were going to run because you just throw one more photo op in there, one more autograph. You just, you just never know what you're getting at celebration, yeah, you know? I mean, and then we were there and he's just literally all alone, nobody in line. He's just chilling. And then we pull up official epic photo ops or whatever and we're like, let's just buy one right now. And they were sold Buy out. an autograph. Or, yeah. We're like, oh, yeah, oh they gosh, weren't, I should have figured. They weren't selling them online. I don't know if they were selling them at his table still, but they weren't selling them online. And I was like, darn because we could have just talked to him for five minutes before his like time slot was up because he clearly they just like gotten through his line well um, and then he went to the celebration stage to announce london but anyways point being rupert friend but he had like five minutes is my point we yeah. could have talked to him for a couple minutes yeah. anyway i really enjoyed rupert friend's performance on this show i also really enjoy his character uh in his performance in homeland i am a rupert friend stan next time next time <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about the flashbacks a little bit more because I know that a lot of people last week too were saying that they really wanted flashbacks in the back to tank, me. and that was one of so your, it was me. That was one of your things that you had wanted to see, and um, you know, would had have been cool to see it during the back to tank scene. Like, absolutely, would have been awesome. Um, didn't end up getting it, but now that we have actually gotten it, I'm really liking how it did play out. I'm I'm really satisfied with the way that we got it. And um, the weight definitely paid off. Um, of course, I want to see more flashbacks, right? But ultimately, like, however the story is told, it's told. And I'm just glad we got to actually see Hayden Christensen because, again, like, you don't bring him back just to kind of stick him in a Vader suit, kind of not, and then never see his face, right? So it would have been kind of weird to have had him on the press tour for all that time and to never actually see him. So it was just really wonderful to see him in the Attack of the Clones garb and him smile and him use a lightsaber and i mean their battle their training session is basically the battle of the heroes like a lot of the same fighting moves it just felt like a little bit of a foreshadowing for their actual episode three duel while also really painting the current day battle um as obi-wan tries to escape yeah uh i'm i'm gonna jump back to the criticism point because i don't want to like leave that without having said my piece um um yeah so like one of my major criticisms for episode four was that it was a shorter episode and i guess it's really not that much shorter than this one but it felt shorter than the episodes previous and we 
I think we really could have utilized like the first five minutes of that to expand a flashback sort of sequence in the back to tank when you're under that suspended sort of time um, before we kind of moved into the action of episode four. So like for me, that just felt like a little bit of a missed opportunity. And I don't think that it would have taken away from how heavily the flashback pays or plays throughout this episode. Um, because we have gotten so like the show starts with a flashback sort of like recap sequence and then from there we know that obi-wan is experiencing nightmares and perhaps a hallucination or like a force projection of sorts i think it still could have been valuable and interesting to kind of like have something there in episode four that connected them um and i mean what is there does connect them but it's it feels like it's gone in an instant and then it doesn't feel like obi-wan's um injuries which seemed really severe i mean he was dragged through the coals quite literally um i didn't feel like that got the payoff i was just talking about setup and payoff and i think that like overall was doing very strongly of that but that's one thing where like i don't think it like paid off entirely what it set up um at least in the severity of that especially considering the sort of um the sort of time we spent with this particular plot device in book of boba fett i understand they're two different shows by two different creators and like two different creators and two two different things but that was just kind of like my thought process there and i think that could have been an opportunity to utilize that more having seen this i think we still could have done that is i think the the thought that i'm landing on um with regards to this but i do think that like I agree with you getting back to you're talking about Hayden, having him on this press tour, having him like really front and center for the show, getting this era flashback was really satisfying in that way because it goes all the way back to not only is this a 20th of attack of the clones, but attack of the clones was Hayden's first movie. So, um, I think it's particularly exciting as an attack of the clones fan that it is this attack of the clones flashback. Um, and I was really gratified to see that. And thinking about like why, the attack of the clones time frame is the best part of Anakin and Obi-Wan's life to jump to. It makes sense because the whole lesson that Anakin takes away from this training session is like, Hey, if you kind of let your overconfidence blind you, you're like, you're always going to be the Padawan. Like you're going to get bested every single time. Right. And so I think of the way that Anakin is really aggressive and impulsive and mm -hmm. he's like, you know, mercy doesn't defeat an enemy. You just got to be on the offensive. And Obi-Wan sees right through that. He sees how it, how, how it blinds him and how his, um, his need for victory as Obi-Wan phrases it blinds Anakin. That's exactly how he phrases it. And I think it's so, uh, telling that Vader is still blinded by that need for victory. He is so focused on Obi-Wan, it's what Obi-Wan tells Reva. He's like, not going to see you. He's only going to see me. And that's so true because Vader sees capturing Obi-Wan as a victory. And that's all he wants. It's what he's been after for years. And Obi-Wan, the fact that Obi-Wan still knows that's how Anakin Skywalker is underneath the suit. And he's able to actually win and like escape because of that. I think that's just so brilliant. And to just juxtapose these two time periods of Anakin's life. And to kind of show that Anakin is still really the same guy underneath the suit. He is just full of rage at this point. And he also hasn't learned, he, he, he has gone back to some of his 
his uh, earlier impulses that he might have unlearned through training Ahsoka and maybe through being a husband, like some of those things that he really matured into, maybe he's regressed a little bit because of him being Darth Vader now versus like the man that he blossomed into as a husband and a, and a Jedi Knight. Yeah. I, I think that's like, it's really interesting because uh, this whole kind of sequence about him learning about his own overall confidence and like how it can be the best of him or get the best of him is interesting because his message, Obi-Wan's message to Reva is both right and wrong. On the one hand, he's entirely, Obi-Wan is entirely right in saying, yes, he'll only see me in terms of a, a goal, uh, a goal to achieve similar in the way that Reva only sees Obi-Wan as, as the goal to achieve uh, and, and to eliminate. At the same time, what Reva does not pick up on is that he will only see me at the expense of you. Because he ultimately does see Reva's deception. Because I think what Reva was hearing is he won't see your deception. And he does. And that's why she gets, you know, stabbed through the chest, stabbed through the gut, um, which I have some thoughts about that. Uh do I hear anyone say mod squad? <laughs> Listen, uh, all, all I'm saying is you don't stab Reva twice in her life and she lives both times initially. If they wanted to kill her off, I feel like they would have killed her off this episode and I might be biting nope, my words next week. Nope. I but, don't say those things. You know, <laughs> I just, I feel like if they really wanted to get nah. rid of her, they, they wouldn't stab her in the gut again just to kill her off again a week later. It just, it, I don't know. That's just my that's just my I, thought, I mean, but we'll see. We could speculate all day about that. I I don't know. It I feel, know it feels like there's more for her story. There better be. There better be because I love her. Moses Ingram is so great. But yeah, uh, all I'm saying is like she clearly got stabbed in the first one, the first time. How did she survive that? Okay, think about it. Think about it. Mods, mods is my answer to this question. And then she gets stabbed again. Is she getting stabbed in the same place? Is she just getting stabbed in her mods? That's that's the question I'm asking, ladies and gentlemen. That she's is going the question to Tatooine. I'm asking. And there's a mod squad on Tatooine. There's so a who mod knows? squad parlor on a Tatooine. Anyway, my point being, is she entire is her is her functionality entirely human? I think not. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> I know that jumps to the end of the episode, but uh, I don't I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, anyway, not important. Let's talk about Reva for a minute while we're on the topic. We learned a lot about her as a youngling, and I think the way that Obi-Wan confronts her through the door is really such a um, an amazing moment. Uh, it's it's Obi-Wan reaching out to somebody who he clearly senses is hurting in some way. And knows a really important secret. Again, people being like, how does Reva know he's Anakin? Again, <laughs> patience. <laughs> patience is a virtue, also, isn't it? It's like if you wait for these episodes been... to happen, you'll actually get the answers. <laughs> also, also like the great thing is like we were shown it as like literally the first thing of, of this series. And so many people were immediately like, that youngling is Reva. That's her. 
that's her. And then some people, some people like me were like, I don't know, we'll wait and see. Not because I knew, just because I was like, hmm, I'm not going to put all my chips in one basket. And I'm very happy for all of the people who hopped immediately on the youngling is river train. You just love picking losing bets. You're like, oh, path of deceit, not going to be about Dalna. No, no, no. It is about yes. Dalna. Oh, it's not I, Reva in the beginning. Why would I they show that scene? Lo- Here's the thing. I do love picking losing bets and it's not because I like to lose. I certainly do not. Uh, it makes me sad. Um, but you're Owen too. Maybe you do like to lose at this point. I hate losing. <laughs> I it's, um, it's, it fucking sucks. It sucks. Pick the um, winning bet. Join the dark side with me. Here's the thing. Here's the reason. <laughs> Maybe the reason I lose is because I am not as willing to go all in on something. You were immediately like path of deceit is the, is the going to be about Dalna? And I'm like, yeah, I don't not believe you, but I'm, I, but I don't feel, I don't, I don't feel like I can say it with a hundred percent certainty, you know? And that's what's happened both times here. You're like, I can say this with a hundred percent certainty. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready yet to say this with a hundred percent certainty. And then we extrapolate that as to be as Sarah's on the losing side. (laughs) And I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. You're you're the Reva here and I'm the Grand Inquisitor. And I say, revenge oh, does no. wonders for the will to lose, don't you think, Sarah? Oh no, <laughs> I can't believe you just Well, I guess at this point we both we've both gotten stabbed through the gut if that's the case. <laughs> but hey, okay, so speaking of Reva though, like in all seriousness, it was really cool to see that first scene of the series pay off and that like we were shown it for a reason and So I'm saying set up, set up, pay off, set up, pay off. Yeah. Oh my gosh, were you really shook when you saw Anakin walking down that hallway, like Roth's Anakin with the 501st behind him? Because one, Hayden has never actually walked with clone troopers like that. Think about that, right? Because they were all CGI and Roth's. Oh, right? oh I was so, like, yeah, he has. He had the whole stompy, stompy strut moment. But you're like, the stompy, stompy strut was nobody. Hayden Christensen on set with clone troopers walking behind him. That's got to be a good feeling for him. Never happened in the history of the universe before today. Yeah. I saw the warning at the beginning of the episode, if you live in the U.S., because things are a mess here. And I was like, that's suspicious. That's that's weird. To Oh, it made me think to myself. It made me think to myself. Oh, have we gotten one of these every episode? And the answer was no. We did in the first episode. Well, that's what I'm saying. Well, because I know we got it in the first episode. And then my thought became, oh, have we actually gotten one of these in every episode and i just didn't know it notice it until today and it's like oh no 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 children died in this episode yeah which extremely valid to put that warning before the show and they absolutely absolutely should but when i saw it i was like that's kind of okay i think i know where this is heading i think i know what we're gonna see in this episode and i was right and it was still just as tragic to watch it happen and i gotta say like reva telling the story to Obi-Wan was really powerful the way that Moses is almost trying to catch her breath and you can tell she's her breath is kind of catching in her throat and she's kind of like gasping for air almost because it's like she's choking on air as she tells the story right she's like you know they were the only family I ever knew and he slaughtered them right and it kind of echoes Anakin in Attack of the Clones talking to Padme when he's like I slaughtered them you know like that word slaughter kind of evokes such a such a um upsetting and visceral emotion a deeply upsetting and heart-wrenching emotion and to think of to think of that in uh from reva's perspective as a kid and to be laying with the bodies as they turn cold it was just so visual and and descriptive and it was just oh man it broke my heart yeah and the thing about moses's performance that i'm most impressed with is we're in this tight close-up the entire time and 
that line that you just said, they were the only family I ever knew. She's literally saying it with a closed mouth. She, like there's so much tension in her jaw that she's not even opening her mouth. And me even trying to just say that sentence without opening my mouth, very difficult. Um, but you can see her teeth together. There's so much tension in her face and pain in that tension and like an extreme sense or, or like a stream desire and, and will that's uh that's pushing through that to tell this story it's it's very impressive to see it's just like i don't know and you're like wow they're acting so good you know we 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 know they're acting and we're commenting on their acting but we're also lost in the character at the same time it's i don't know humans are weird like that but it's just a really really powerful performance and i'm really glad that we got this uh further exploration of reva's character because of course, there's a reason uh, why she is exactly like she is. And this makes uh, infinite amount of sense. Um, and, but just to bump off of that, when Obi-Wan says you're not serving him, are you? You're hunting him. Where, whoa, where do we go from here? And, and do you find it interesting, um, it, taking Obi-Wan's point of view, like that she is associating herself in proximity wise to him? so yeah. she can best him in a way. Yeah, it is interesting how he comes to that realization and he mostly works through it on his own and thinking back to his experiences of like, again, he saw the younglings getting killed by Anakin and he puts two and two together and figures that's really the only possible way that Reva could know about Anakin being Vader. And in a way, it feels like Obi-Wan's trying to flip this back on Reva because yeah. once again, he is realizing he probably can't kill Anakin. He can't bring himself to kill Anakin or be strong enough to kill Anakin. And so he's kind of trying to lure Reva into a corner where she does it. And I think he's trying to tempt her with that thought. And I think she kind of flips it back to him and says, do you really want Anakin dead? Right. And then we go back to Obi-Wan now. It's his moment to sort of catch his breath in his throat. You see, you kind of hear the breath start to escape Obi-Wan's mouth and you feel like he's about to say something, but he doesn't. And it just kind of like a strained breathing sound coming out of him and really great acting on Ewan's part. But it's because he wants to say the answer, but he can't because he's I think he like he knows that Darth Vader as he is now is a threat. But like inside the suit is Anakin. There's they're still the same person in Obi-Wan's mind. And that's what the show is trying to make a point of. It's like it's not just like Anakin became Vader. It's Anakin is Vader. And that's why Obi-Wan is struggling with that thought. Would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, like, of course, he doesn't want Anakin to die because Anakin is somebody that he loves so deeply. Uh, and how how can you say that you want somebody that you love? to die even even if they've changed and gone another way or even if um you're no longer in love or no you know no longer uh in communication um and i i think that obi-wan really sees reva's pain too like they're both suffering through this they've both been wronged by him and they both kind of feel a deep-seated um anger about that frustration pain grief loss all of those things they're they're both feeling about that situation and um i think in that moment obi-wan 
understands a lot more about her and about why she is an inquisitor. It's not out of any love for Anakin, you know, it's not out of any admiration for him even, even it's, it's really out of like a need to survive and, um, a need to best him. And that's why she wants to be the grand inquisitor. I do love how she flips it back on him too. And says like, where were you that night? Like, why didn't you stop him? Like, what were you doing? And I, yeah, I, it's I do, brutal. I do think it catches him off guard. And I think, I think he's asked that question probably for many years. Like, you know, if I were back at the temple, could I have intervenes? Like if Obi-Wan were the one in the chancellor's office instead of Mace Windu, would it have turned out any different? You know, not because Mace did anything wrong necessarily, just because Obi-Wan is somebody that is much closer to Anakin than Mace. So like what would have happened in that situation? Um, I think Obi-Wan carries a lot of guilt. He probably, Obi-Wan probably carries the guilt of all of Order 66 on him because at the heart of Order 66 is Anakin, right? And so I think Obi-Wan feels some sense of responsibility for what happened. And just the phrase like, why didn't you save us? Again, that deep-seated anger towards not only just like Obi-Wan from Reva, but like the Jedi in general and probably why she became an Inquisitor. She felt like nobody came to save her you know, sitting there on the ground, like stabbed through the gut because of a, a lightsaber. And uh, it, it calls back to episode two, I believe, of this series where there's that moment when uh, it might be actually part three when she finds out where Obi-Wan is or she wants to call out the probes. And we get that shot of her uh, gripping her, grabbing her like waist area. And I think, and we got like a sense of like, what is she doing? And I think it was like where her scar is or like where her, where she was stabbed. If you go back and watch, there's that close up shot, um, which I find is really interesting, but it's been alluded to throughout the series. And I was glad it finally, again, got the, got the payoff. This was an episode of many payoffs for sure. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're in the final stretch at this point. So like we have got to have that sort of coming together at the end of it all so uh it feels good that it's it's getting there what did you think of obi-wan finding the the wall of more arabesh and the one phrase on there that says the light fades but is never forgotten he finds the the box with the sabers he puts on the cloak which we presumably think is part of his outfit in a new hope right he's he's putting on all Mm. the pieces that make him back into a jedi right he's added the outfit in episode four Episode five is the cloak. What's next? What's he going to add next to kind of complete the whole get up? And it's symbolic in a way because he is adding it's, back it's layers. It's his hair going gray. Yes. <laughs> it's just going to be gray the entirety of next episode. But it is very symbolic. He's adding back those pieces that he's lost. He's kind of picking them up along the way. And he's, he is embracing a side of himself that he thought had been previously lost. But what, what do you make of like those small moments where he's just in that area of the Jabim outpost and kind of taking it all in, do you feel like, what do you think is going through his, his mind? Well, I think in a story wise that like, it's like, Hey, here's another wall where I'm going to write something philosophical about the force. Did you know I'm still thinking about Qui-Gon? My name's Obi-Wan. Um, and I think this is another one where, uh, another phrase, um, that is uh, pointing to Obi-Wan or pointing to Qui-Gon. I thought the last one was pointing to Qui-Gon. I think this one is pointing to Qui-Gon as well. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just my tinfoil hat. Um, 
I think from Obi-Wan's perspective too, it is, uh, it is him realizing that the battle was never lost. Like he thought it was yeah, right. Cause in the first I, episode he tells Benny Safdie's character, like the fight is done. We lost, right? Like he is, mm-hmm. he's gone 10 years thinking that it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, um, it's a useless cause. Like, why would I help you? Because we've lost already. There's no point to help you as another for- former Jedi. I, I can't risk it. And so he is now seeing that there's this entire network, this path of younglings who are force sensitive and people who are helping out the Jedi still and that the Jedi still exist. He opens an entire box with all of these lightsabers. He's like, wow. Well, are those people dead? Potentially, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> That was kind of my thought. If they're all kind of collected together, they're probably dead. Grievous would go nuts for that box. He's rolling yeah, in his grave. Grievous is like, I, yeah. He's like, Kenobi got what the I could have done. good end of the stick here. <laughs> right, got, right. He's got the, he, he bested me. But I, I think though, like, Obi-Wan's seeing some of these relics and seeing the writings on the wall that like, people have left as they've come through is a, as a reminder to him that like, wow, the fight has actually been happening for the last 10 years and I've chosen a very active, uh, I, I've been very inactive from it. I've, 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 I haven't participated in it. Not that he could because he's watching over the, the two children, but um, Luke especially, obviously. But I, I think he's sort of realizing like, how did I lose so much hope when this has actually been happening the whole time? Like people are out there yeah. like, kind of carrying the spark and like maybe I can still... I can still do that. And that's sort of what Tala says to him where she says some things you can't forget, but you can fight to make them better. And I think that is like sort of the thesis of this episode specifically. And the lesson that he takes away is like the fight to preserve the Jedi. And it will be through Luke that he tries to preserve the Jedi is worth it. It's a cause worth championing. And also he's not alone out there in the galaxy. There are others like him still there. And I think that's pretty motivating for him to, to realize yeah i think that it's uh, this melancholy that like oh not everyone i love is dead and i could have known them or seen them or um been less in my grief had i been a part of this but also i don't know how much he can blame himself for his inactivity because he had this particular responsibility and also because how could he have known you know how could he have known um that all of this was going on around him he couldn't have yeah exactly yeah and i think that's maybe what he's feeling is a little bit of sadness over that reality right like maybe he's thinking about all the times he turned a blind eye when maybe he shouldn't have like maybe he should have helped benny safty's character Mm. um Benny Safdie could have gotten into the path and lived a better life. Um, but again, like, I don't think that's Obi-Wan's responsibility, but I think he's the type of character to carry guilt. That maybe he's is, just a is, man who wants to love. Yeah. He, he takes displaced grief. Um, you know, he, he feels the, the weight of everything on his shoulders because he has such an important task and he wants to help so badly, but he like really can't. It's why in the first episode he wants to talk that one you know, beefy guy up and say like, you should pay that worker fairly. Yeah. Right. But he doesn't say anything. And like, he so desperately mm-hmm. wants to say something. And that's why like he tells 
the people around him, like Vader knows how much I want to help all of you. And like, I'll stay that I'm going to stay here because of my compassion, right? A Jedi's compassion leaves a trail. Their compassion leaves a trail. Thank you. And I think Obi-Wan is maybe learning to have some of that compassion again. That's why he gives that speech to them and leads the fight and protects. He, he stands in front of everybody with that saber and takes the shots from the stormtroopers, mm-hmm. right? He's a, he, he is defending that entire place on his own. Yeah, very much him back in a traditional leadership role that I think he understands or has is coming out of the 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 locked box he locked it in in his heart on um, this sort of uh leadership and battle uh that he became so prolific for during the Clone War era. But I think one of the most impactful parts of the episode speaking of Obi-Wan as a fighter is when he gives Haja his weapons and tells Roken there are other ways to fight. I think that's so important. Um what did you what did you make of that of that phrase? It's really interesting because, you know, we were just talking about the whole conversation between Obi-Wan and Reva. And obviously this is the line that it was right before that and brings us into that moment. But it really, I think, signifies how smart Obi-Wan is and and just how his brain works and um, the kind of character he has. He's a thoughtful person where we see in this episode through the flashbacks that Anakin is somebody who really is impulsive and kind of very determined to to like beat, 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 win, win, win in their training duel. And that Obi-Wan is three steps ahead of them in that regard by being thoughtful and and taking a step back and realizing how he can best understand the situation and he's kind of been trying to figure out how to do that throughout this series and i think this is one of those moments where we see him put himself in a really good position or in the best possible position that he can uh and i just think it's a valuable line yeah it's a very jedi thing to do as well it's like what luke does in return of the jedi he throws away his weapon and he says like i'm a Mm. jedi you know so it it calls back to obi-wan and a new hope telling Han Solo, there are, are alternative ways of, of fighting, right? And so that's this is an early iteration of that mentality. And I think Obi-Wan is somebody who, you know, being so close with Satine, who wanted to lead a pacifist Mandalore and wanted to avoid war and fighting. He is, he is somebody who probably Excellent respects point. that mode of thinking and will mm-hmm. do whatever is necessary to avoid more senseless loss. That's why in Brotherhood, he tries to de-escalate the war rather than enable it. Um, he is, you know... Oh, the connection's very good. That's good. Yeah. This is this is Obi-Wan at his core. Obi-Wan at his core is a pacifist. He's somebody that yeah. will... Who will defend, right? And that's why he tells Anakin in, in their training session in this episode, he says the only... Uh, you're not supposed to take a life. You're supposed to defend it. He's a lover, not a fighter. In this <laughs> essay, I will. <laughs> But it was just, it was great though to hear him say that. And I loved how the the moment sort of built up to that with the dramatic pause, the turn to the camera and he kind of says it and I'm just like, yeah, that's the stuff there for, for our boy, Ben. I love that. Again, he's moving closer and closer to his, his self in episode four of uh, Star Wars. So. Yeah. So it's like up until this point, this episode is like really emotional within the first 15 minutes we get, you know, uh, this flashback we get 
uh, evil Lola and then Leia being like, hand me a ladder. Thank you very much. And I, that whole moment about, um, you know, Roken being like, you know, this is not the time for play princess. And, and Obi-Wan being like, no, 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 you trust me. I trust her, get her what she needs. I think it's just like a really beautiful display of the relationship that they've built. Uh, so that's like an emotional moment. And then we get Reva's backstory, which is like a super emotional moment. And that brings us right into the fight and right brings us right to Tala's death. Oh boy. It's it's the it's the Rogue One vibes of it all. It, oh my god, this is such Rogue One vibes. It was so rough for me. Here I am, and I'm then like Ned B gets shot, and I'm just like <laughs> it's like K2L's last moments. Like <laughs> Yeah, like having flashbacks to the theater in 2016 of just sobbing as K2S K2SO takes shot after shot. I'm like, no, not Ned B. Okay, Brad, cover your ears. Don't listen to this for a second. I need to speak to the listeners and not to you. It's like the Rogue One novelization. Pretend you didn't hear that. (laughs) I was really bummed when Tala got shot right in the chest. I was like, oh, Jesus. I was like, I know I I, I was hoping, hoping it wouldn't happen. But, you know, I, I think the moment was beautifully directed i think the way that ned b shields him shields her with his body you know he shuts down over her to give her cover and the whole moment to me felt very like a new hope it resonated with a new hope how obi-wan is being like no and like trying to go after tala and tala's like go get out of here right and she shuts the door on him likewise in a new hope obi-wan sacrifices himself Mm. to get luke out and Luke's like, no, you know, like the famous scream across the hangar and he starts shooting and Obi-Wan tells him, run, Luke, run. Right. And so it, I don't I don't know if that was like sort of an intentional story beat. But it definitely paralleled quite a bit. And um, obviously, like Star Wars is always like poetry. And I, I, I immediately thought of that. And um, it's also tragedy. You know, both both moments revolving around Ben Kenobi as well, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, how, how did this whole scene land for you, though, emotionally? sobbing sobbing so much crying um it was really it's amazing ups- how little we little time we knew her for and we still are <sighs> that's by it. what happens when you write characters well bold thought oh wow bold what a concept bold thought you care about them. what a concept i yeah. know i know anyway uh, so like we get this moment of like her backstory and what she witnessed and what she participated in um earlier in this episode and it's really hard to hear it's really really hard to hear that she as an imperial was essentially rounding people up to be executed and it was 14 people including six children that is not something that people get redemption for you know in the real world sort of a situation that's not something that you forgive others for and i think her work in the path is her trying to forgive herself for what she participated in. Um, And in this series, Obi-Wan has had a couple of times where he's had to confront like the agents of his pain, uh, if that makes sense. Like he has had to confront a 501st trooper, Tamar Morrison in episode two. Mm. He has had to confront, right. (laughs) We've been through so much. (laughs) He has had to confront Vader 
directly in episode three, somebody he kind of didn't realize was still kicking, as we see at the end of episode two. He's had to confront Nari in episode one and like the no, you have it wrong uh, sort of energy. He's had to confront a lot of the agents of his pain and like, con- con- like really consider, um, really consider his own role in everything and everybody else's role in everything. And I think that in the scene that has Obi-Wan and Tala, he's a little bit like bewildered, but also deeply understanding of, of the role that she plays and what she had to do and what she has to do now. Um, and I think he respects that. And I think, I think they have a beautiful moment, uh, moments throughout this scene and throughout this episode where you're like, oh, wait, am I a Obi Tala shipper? Uh, Are you about the, to kiss right now? <laughs> the answer is I'm an Obi everybody shipper, honestly. Um, but like you can see the deep respect that they have for one another and um, his pain at her death is incredibly warranted. And also I think he knows how much she wants to do right and do good. Uh, and she ultimately does get that. But like, my God, does it hurt? Holy fucking moly. I did not expect myself to have as uh, as as much of an emotional response to her death as I did. Um, I was definitely sobbing. I was I was bummed about it. But I think she is an amazing character that I'm so happy that we had in Star Wars. You know, a lot of people talk about like, you know, why wasn't this just a show about Obi-Wan only and like no other characters? I'm like, okay, one, that's not creative at all and super boring. Like, don't you want the Star Wars sandbox to grow? Like, don't you want characters like Reva? and Tala and like Roken to exist like these people with such rich backstories and personal histories and like the stuff that they've dealt with like you're just making Star Wars the tapestry of Star Wars even greater and Mm -hmm. and and expanding it it's like that's that's like good for storytelling like it's so amazing to have these characters as part of the show and each one of them is teaching Obi-Wan something right they're all lending something to make him into the man he's going to become to train Luke and to basically help save the galaxy for generations to come but not are they not only are they all lending something to Obi-Wan, they all have complex and interesting things all by themselves. Like yes. I would so easily watch a show about Tala or Riva or Roken or Haja. And those are kind of our four key, you know, non-legacy characters who we don't know if they're gonna live or die, sort of people, right? Um right. I would so easily watch a show about any of them because each of their stories is so rich. And I just, the strength of building the sandbox is, is on full display here. There's no reason why you shouldn't be building the sandbox, even when you're dealing with legacy characters. Can't freaking wait for Andor and it's 210 speaking characters. Anyway, that's a different episode <laughs> for a different day. Um, but like, yeah, it, there's such value in that. And um I hope we get more Tala in some way, shape, or form. I think Indira Varma is is great in the role. Uh, I could see myself reading a Tala book. I could see myself watching. Oh my gosh, her in yes. other you know other shows or whatever. If she popped up elsewhere within the timeline, I think that'd be awesome. Um, like I just think this is a wonderful character, and I want to know more about the path, and I want to see like the path in action. Yeah. Fingers crossed, Jedi Survivor. Maybe she'll pop up there. I mean, we've seen weirder characters show up in Jedi Fallen Order. I mean, Tarful, um, Saw Gerrera was in there. Like characters you, know, you wouldn't expect to be in a Tarful Jedi game. Tarful was are in there. there. Tarful yeah. was there. I I don't know what what year Jedi Survivor is taking place in compared to this 
Same year. Same year. Okay. So be Chala directly before her death. But um, Tarful was in Jedi Fallen Order. Thank you so much for bringing that up on this episode. That really meant a lot to me. Appreciate you looking out for me like that. Sure. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Always on Tarful watch here. Um, we Disappointed he wasn't in the show. Is he in Bad Batch Season 2? TBD. TBD, my friends. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, so all of the emotional damage of this episode. Um, yeah, we were. I was like, I was like, sorry, too much crying. I was like, too much crying. Need to mention Tarful. We can get back to the crying now. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it's refreshing to get a sad hallway scene in Star Wars versus one where things are getting destroyed. Um, what? This, you, wait a you second. Know. You want a sad hallway scene? It's nice to switch it up every once in a while. Star Wars. Is Why tragedy. can't it just be a happy? On. Why can't it be a happy hallway scene? Why? We kind of had a happy hallway scene in the. Attack of the Clones when they proclaim their love and kiss. It's kind of a hallway, maybe. Uh, From a certain point of view. This is hallway talk. Okay, anyways. I don't I don't I reject that, actually. I reject that respectfully. But but Vader lands. Vader gets here. He struts around those hallways like he's nobody's business. Like I love I love it when Star Wars is Vader walking through hallways. It's just so good. I love how his cape flows. Like they really got the outfit nailed. Speaking of which there's this one shot in the episode where Vader is like, you see his reflection in the window of the Star Destroyer and the planet. That's like one of the heart, the hardest that any Star Wars shot has ever gone. Um, also immediately after that, our first shot of a Star Destroyer in the series and all the little ships coming out of it and we're moving forward underneath the Star Destroyer. It's just so cool. Um, but Vader's voice is really growing on me. Not that it, not that it, didn't hit me right away and like i didn't like it i loved it right away i was i was into it but this is a new vader this is a, a vader that's being used by respeacher so it's different but i think i'm really starting to pick up some of the inflections of the voice uh, of uh, ai vader um and i th i think it, it is really effective i think hearing him say some new words it's still got the james earl jones undertones to it of course it's his voice but it's really working for me. And I think it works over something like uh, Luke, who you see the facial features of, um, and is not a mechanized voice. Vader is mechanized and he's under a mask. So I think that's why maybe it is so effective is because it's much easier to make that believable than a human. Going back to like episode three, I remember I was like, I don't know how I feel about the Vader voice. And you were like, Sarah, it's Vader's voice. And I was like, yeah, I get that. I get that. I just don't feel emotionally connected to it right now in the time frame. Like, I'm such a prequels kid that I'm like, okay, you know, I'm here for Anakin and Obi-Wan and I understand the people they become, but I care much more about them in their 20s than I do, do about them in their 40s and 50s. Um, but I think what I really needed was this episode and the way that the flashback is paired with Vader, if that makes sense. Yeah, and how we come in and out of the flashback, right? Because every time we go in or out, it's an up-close shot. And the first time we we come out of the flashback with the lightsabers clashing, it's it's an up-close of, of Vader on the bridge. Yes, and my point being, like, I really think that helped me to connect Vader to Anakin and really helped me connect with the voice of Vader. I agree with you. I think the respeacher is working much better here than it did with Luke. Obviously, a different set of circumstances bring us to a much more mechanized voice, which I think is more successful here. Um, but like, yeah, it finally it finally all clicked into place for me. And I think that the again, the flashback was the linchpin in that to bridge the gap between who Anakin 
is and who Vader is and how they are the same person. I actually totally agree with that take. Um, thinking of that, I actually would have liked to have had some sort of Hayden shot or moment in episode three before we see Vader to kind of, like you said, to have that connective tissue. Cause like we, as the viewer know, obviously that's Hayden underneath, but I think there was a different emotional connection this episode. I totally agree with that. Um, yeah, because you're, you're really seeing like, you're seeing Vader remember this fight exactly in a way. Right. And so he's remembering himself. Therefore he is the one under that mask. Yeah. So you're making those, you're connecting those dots. Yeah. And I mean, when we get the transition from Anakin to Vader in Revenge of the Sith, it's not too drawn out. You know, we, we do get the whole scene of him being put together and then the like, where's Padme? She's dead. Like no sort of whole situation. Um, but that's all we've ever seen of Anakin as Vader. If that, it if that makes sense, like, yes. like everything before that was, vader pre-anakin and then revenge of the sith we get anakin as vader and then rogue one is the only other time we get anakin as vader when he's in the hallway scene right um right and in the back to tank on Mustafa yes thank you thank Krennic, you yeah um but it's very brief it's very brief so the more tissue we can connect i think to put Hayden Christensen's portrayal of Anakin together with the James Earl Jones, David Prowse portrayal of Vader together, I think the better. And so that's why I think this episode really worked for me on that emotional level. Definitely. Okay. So when he walked in that room and he just ripped that ship out of the sky, which like my again, again, God, okay. The series is putting the hallway scene to shambles. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I was like, I was, I was, my, my brother did not, my brother, God bless him, did not know there were more than two episodes of the show. I mean, he's had a lot going on. He's been very busy. Um, but like he had no idea. And so I'm like, Adam, Adam, do you remember, do you remember in the force unleashed when Starkiller like grabbed the Star Destroyer out of the sky? And he's like, first of all, what's the force unleashed? And I was like, Adam, it's a video game from like 2007. You played it. Like, you can't tell me that you didn't. I remember it. And he was like, no, I don't remember this. He goes, is this Kenobi? And I was like, yes. I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. This is, I mean, it's, it's one of those like badass Vader moments that I think a lot of people are like, yeah, let's do the badass thing. This is the badass thing. Mm-hmm. And it was it was fantastic. It was a lot of fun to watch him pull it out of the sky. I won't even lie. This is not my brand of Star Wars, but I had a great time. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. <laughs> Did you get fooled? Because I got fooled. Uh, yeah, I definitely got fooled. I thought that was really, really well executed for sure. Yeah. I, I watched it with my mom and my sister too and they were like what is happening how did he just why they're opening the ship and I, like i had the same reaction i was like um he's just like ripping the ship open are there gonna be like people in there like what's going on yeah and then of course the fake ship from behind i was like that was well, so well done when like, I, I i was it, fooled when i watched it on the replay i was like looking for the ship behind it and then i saw it and i was like okay okay i guess i won't complain about complain about the continuity i'm kidding um, but I was like looking for the ship to see like if he would miss that too. But yeah, I think that was just like a um, a moment of his power and his anger and was really strong and well executed. Um, it felt a little video gamey, but like I, I don't know how you cannot make that feel video gamey. He's literally pulling a ship out of the sky. So yeah, I can forgive it. Mm-hmm. 
And then him sitting with that lesson of, you know, you'll always be a Padawan. And he's thinking of that moment and it cuts back to Vader. And it's just, it's just, again, the flashbacks of this were so well done. And the fight with Reva, I mean, it's insane that we watched Reva and Vader fight together. Y- yeah. And, okay. You know, he, he doesn't even have the decency to use his own lightsaber either. Let's, he's just like, you're, you're not worth it, basically, in his mind. He doesn't use it. Let's lead up into this. Let's lead up into this. So, so we have pulled the transport out. We have ripped it to shreds. Nobody's there. The other transport, gone, away. And we kind of have this moment of like, uh-oh, now we've really pissed off Vader again, sort of a thing. And then we go back into this really impressive moment. It's just, it, the, it's paced so well. And you're just like, oh my God, oh my God. But then we get the payoff of that moment where it's like, he won't see you. He will only see me. And it's, it's like, oh, well, just kidding. Just kidding. So the moment where Reva comes up from behind, what were you feeling when she was coming up from behind? And you, you know, he can't die, obviously. But like, right. what were you feeling in that moment? horrible i was like oh no like because again you know how it ends you know vader survives you're just like what's what's gonna happen here and that's like oh no i you you sense the forebodingness of it you're like he's gonna turn around i was like are they gonna kill her off in this episode that was my immediate thought i was like are she are we not even gonna use her for the last episode like that was when i my mind went to yeah he was such a savage in this fight. Like I said, he didn't even use his own lightsaber. He was basically like, I'm not wasting a breath because you've kind of betrayed me. So I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm basically, basically going to force toss you around and slow down your lightsaber. The way he slows that lightsaber down was insane. No. And then he breaks it apart and tosses her half of it and is like, okay, now fight me. Okay. That's just so brutal. Okay. So the first moment when this, this fight essentially starts and he, turns around and he's got his hand out and he's holding the lightsabers and he's bathed in that red light and you're like "Ah, oh my gosh that was what i was feeling in that moment and then yeah he's just he's essentially dancing around her and using the force and i just adored how it was choreographed i thought it was so smart and interesting and it really shows like in on the one hand reva is anakin from 20 years ago you know reva or rather 10 years ago like reva is anakin of that flashback and now he is the obi-wan of this particular situation where he has the upper hand um but i did love how we saw the the spinny 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 savers i found myself yelling helicopter 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 it um do you think we have another episode to go do you think we are going to get the helicopter saber I feel like we were promised helicopter sabers. I, f- I feel like that was mentioned by Rupert Friends in an interview somewhere. It was mentioned by somebody in an interview somewhere. So yeah, where are the helicopter sabers? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a whole YouTube channel about this. Right, um, exactly. Okay, but like how, how crazy would it have been if she had like helicopter sabered back while... Like over him? Or no, 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 just like back to get away from him so she could charge him oh again. Oh my gosh. Just like, just like so maybe, cool. you know, 10 feet or whatever. Like imagine that imagine that i'm not upset we didn't get helicopter savers but like i wish you know i wish um but like we get so much amazing action in this episode and somehow and in so much amazing action throughout this series and somehow i think this like this fight is my favorite so far yeah this is this is my favorite fight of the series as well um just you know two really highly trained sith essentially who are fighting to the death and 
I, I don't know about you, but I was like, oh my God, is he going to Dooku her? <laughs> you know, like he had the two sabers right. and he's like walking I was, towards her. Again, I was like, is he about to Duke, like do the Dooku thing again? Like, again, I was is, like, is she going to die oof. in this episode? I can't handle that. I have to give it though to like the editing team, the way that they interplayed like young Reva with current Reva and like Vader with Anakin and the way that like when he pushes the lightsaber forward, the way that it it kind of transitions from Anakin to Vader and then like flat, very transitioning very quickly to give you that sense of like these things are happening simultaneously in Reva's mind because she's it's happening in the present for her, but she's also reliving that trauma yeah. of her youth. Right. And so I think that the way that the edit happens is is really powerful. Um, honestly, like it just is. Yeah, I have no other words. It's just a really powerful moment. It's the editing. It's the editing. And it's also just the shot they chose for both of these moments. They're positioned in the same exact way. So like the shot is coming from above Reva looking down at her, but they're not having like Deborah Chow is not having Reva look up at the camera. She's having her her face straight forward with her eyes looking up, which makes her look very timid and fearful and small which is exactly yeah. the point. Uh, and mm -hmm. I thought that was so effective and so terrifying to see the red light like creep up on her, both as an adult and as a child. Um, ouch. But like, it uh, just goes all to show like why she's there. And it's again, not for any love of Anakin or Vader or the empire. It's, it's more out of a survival tactic and a need to live or maybe a need to best him. Um, like also also how has she how oh my god okay i'm keep watching the scene over and over how has she gone for 10 years knowing anakin is vader and just like hasn't spilled that secret to everybody i don't know i mean if she wants to hunt down vader i feel like that'd be the perfect thing to to leak uh, put it in the imperial leaks reddit channel or imperial leaks reddit channel honestly though i'm like how does she keep that secret and then i've been like hey guys hey guys have you heard anakin is vader? like anakin skywalker that's vader. <laughs> it's kind of a big deal kind of, i'm kind of freaked out by it like we were yeah. we were all wondering how vader came on the scene well he got super duper burned up in mustafar and now he's vader <laughs> yeah um but it's just a really amazing scene though i i, I will go back and rewatch that fight multiple times but it, it leads to something that you really enjoyed from this episode which was the return of the grand inquisitor yes okay so give me just one second i have one more thing to say and then i'm ready to hop into the grand inquisitor you know i am so first of all like we do get we do get Riva being deemed the Grand Inquisitor at the beginning of this episode. So it does make me wonder if Vader knew all along. Like, I need the Grand Inquisitor's side of this, the like episodes two through five. Um, I want to know how he got back to Vader and when Vader knew that he was alive. Um, I'm very, very curious. But like, she gets deemed the Grand Inquisitor. Vader's probably, it's to some degree, in on it uh, uh, and what's going on here. And then he gives this like, did you really believe I did not see it again? The roles have changed, but also just having, okay. Also just having Riva be this antagonist in this story and have her be an inquisitor as somebody who was a youngling in the temple during order 66, you know, um, there's like this TikTok sound or this like other meme where it's like, Oh look, the consequences of my actions. <laughs> it's that. It's that. Um, and I'm, I'm just I just am so impressed by the writing, uh, the people who spent many drafts of, of the show for for picking that thread up, because, of course, the children who survived have a lot to deal with. Um, 
however many of them there were. And Nari was probably a young man too, uh, probably no older than 15 or 16 when it happened. Also, kudos to Moses Ingram for her acting in this episode. Just phenomenal job. But the way that she carries herself, uh, Reva carries herself as the Grand Inquisitor, feels so much more confident and sure of herself than before. Yeah, she's um, got the way the that thing. she, the way that she says, like Lord Vader is on his way, and you are going to die, Obi Wan. Like the, the, she just feels so sure of everything that she's doing, and it's because she's finally taken on this position that's been her dream. Yeah. for however many years right so I, I i liked too how moses put that into the character and you really see it shine through this episode so shout out to moses she acted her heart out and this was really reva's episode in a lot of ways yes i agree but now will the real grand inquisitor please stand up oh I see he's, what you did there. he's back baby um and in this very angled shot the Grand Inquisitor walks dramatically into frame and he says, hello, third sister. And then he walks up to her and is like, revenge does wonders for the will to live. Don't you think? And it's the greatest line I've ever heard. I can't believe that all of the best dialogue ever written has been for the Grand Inquisitor alone. He's so dramatic. I, I just, I just, I love him. I loved him from the moment we heard him in the trailers. He's so great. I feel like I have to go back and watch all of Rebels just to get all my good Grand Inquisitor content. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I'm so glad he's back. I'm so glad he's back. I can't wait to see how he plays into the last episode. I really find the phrasing like will to live very interesting because there's, to my knowledge, there's only been one other time we've heard like the idea of the will to live and that was in Revenge of the Sith uh, with Padme. And how he's saying that like revenge is really the thing that can empower your your own will to live. And when we think of Padme, who is somebody who is probably doesn't have a vengeful bone in her body, right? And she loses the will to live in Revenge of the Sith. On the flip side of that coin, you know, simultaneously, Anakin sitting on that operating ta operating table, becoming Darth Vader, is full of vengeance. He's full of the need for revenge. It's the revenge of the Sith, and he is somehow managing to find the will to live and and survive and become Darth Vader. Um I just thought that was really interesting phrasing that we haven't heard in quite a while. Um so I, I would be curious. If I had a, if I had an opportunity to ask Joby Harold, I would ask if there's a connection there at all. Because there's it's a very be. intentional it's in a very it's a very intentional couple words. Um word choice matters. Uh, it's very specific. Word choice does matter. And that brings us to a text that I exchanged with Hope Molinax earlier today and or earlier yesterday. I don't even know when. And I she mentioned about the Grand Inquisitor. So I DM'd her and I was like, I was so excited to see him back. And then <laughs> she was like, Yeah, out there in the desert somewhere, Maul was going, Yep, correct. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> Maul was going, Yep, correct, because same vibes i just think all of the darksiders have the same vibe and it's that line yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just that that thirst for revenge does wonders for the soul forget chicken noodle soup just have some revenge Heals i you up right away. would like to make my ringtone just various grand inquisitor lines so when somebody calls me he just goes um revenge does wonders for the will to live don't you think <laughs> Or it like you are getting a call, Sarah. No, no, no. I know it. it's just gotta be the regular line. It's just gotta be his lines. Like their compassion 
leaves a trail. Like, I need it. I need it injected into my veins. Rupert Friend, be my bestie, please. I would like to just like, I would just like to pick your brain about the Grand Inquisitor. (laughs) All right. So now for the real gut punch of the episode, which the way the music is used here at the end is just so damn good. It's so good leading into finale, right? Leading right into the finale. I just love a, I love an episode that ends like this. We Reva finds the the communicator on the ground with Bail Organa's message, Bail. and of course, all she hears is she. Bail, Bail, come on, you you know the game, man. You Bail. can't just be like, hey, two children, Tatooine, Owen, the boy. Like, come on, Bail. Okay. You gotta be a w- little more subtle. Bail has never done anything wrong in his entire life, maybe except for this one thing, and, ex- <laughs> and also like wiping three PO's memory. Okay, that was like. A little- also that two things done in his entire two things done wrong in his entire life but also like obi-wan being super off kilter he's like something's wrong something's wrong and it's really kind of messed up because like the camera's all off kilter but yeah okay so here's my thought here's my thought she sees she like crawls over there she sees this or she hears the hologram that's like bail talking if he's found you he's learned of the children I'll head to Tatooine. So Bale's going to Tatooine. Owen will help the boy. Okay. Those are the lines. And her face goes like, she's looking down at it. And then she looks, she leans back a little bit. Guys, 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 guys. Guess whose name she asked in the first episode? Owen. Owen's name. Yep. That's, that's what I was thinking. She knows. I didn't realize that. She even asks. She asks Owen, you hiding any Jedi on your there? farm, <laughs> Owen? You know? So now she's like, I was right. Oh my so God. So Reva's making her way to Tatooine. But the way that the, like the, this episode ends. Like yeah, go the, for it from there. The, the, the establishing shots of Tatooine at nighttime, which by the way, Tatooine at night hits different. I got to admit. Whoa, don't become a Tatooine lover. I can't like, that's something no, 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 that's, no. that's crossing a line. I'm a Tatooine at night lover. It's like in Book of Boba Fett when we get like Moss Espa at nighttime. It's like, oh, so good. But the way that the camera, you get the Obi-Wan theme kind of revving up and we're we're zooming into the homestead and then we get the shot of Luke sleeping. I'm just like, this is really powerful stuff. This is the first time that we've seen Luke, baby Luke, this up close. And I think to me that is signaling a shift for the series. I think that however they escape vader you know on their tail right now obi-wan's going to return luke or leia to alderaan and then his final step is going to be to go back to luke and protect him possibly from reva or um however that's going to happen i'm not really sure but i think we're going to get some luke fulcrum reva we're going to get some luke we're going to get some baru finally because i want to hear his voice get some baru is all i'm saying (laughs) and it's really interesting to think that, you know, Owen has such a hatred for Obi-Wan in A New Hope. Is it because, is it because Obi-Wan literally brings an Inquisitor to his farm, you know, and almost kills the whole Ooh. operation, you know? Ooh. So there could be some, uh, there could be some interesting things going on in their relationship to, uh, to sort of paint those lines in A New Hope in a different light. Ooh. Yeah. That wizard's just a crazy old man. <laughs> I have nothing to say except for, ooh. Okay, so we know that the finale, according to a, a Cineplex uh, listing for the finale, it's an hour and 33 minutes with a live Q&A. So... Which 
I would imagine a Q&A is not going to take more than 15, 20 minutes. So we could probably assume the finale is going to be at least an hour to an hour, 10 minutes. I'm afraid to put any numbers on it, but the episodes are generally around 40 minutes long. The first one was 56 with with credits. It's like around 40 minutes long. So I'm hoping that this is longer than that. But I, I seriously cannot wait for the finale. Um, I can wait because I don't want it to end. But I guess once the show ends, we're in uh, Andor mode. So I guess <laughs> every, every, every loss comes with a gain in some whoa, ways. Whoa, whoa, guys, 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 guys. Andor, that's it. That's it. That's the whole yeah. tweet. Next time. Next time. Yeah. Get, get ready for me in August, guys, because I'm going to be insufferable. Yep, same here. Uh, if you thought I was horrible now, just wait. Just wait. <laughs> Alrighty, well, I think that brings us to the end of this episode. So again, we got one more episode of the Kenobi Keynote, which it's been a wild ride here, but I am so excited for finale night. Until then, you can find Sarah and I on Twitter, Letterboxd, and Goodreads, and you can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure wherever you're listening to the show to follow us so our next episode drops into your podcast feed. And also leave us a five-star written review if you could. It helps other folks find the show, which is always a good thing. And we want more Friends of the Force here. Yes, we also have a Patreon where tiers start at just a dollar. And we are always so, so grateful for our patrons. Really help make this show happen. So thank you to Amy, Brian with an I, Brian with a Y, Carol, Cheryl, Clay, Danny, Davis, Dylan, Deborah, Donnie, Elegy, Huang, Jen, Knights of Ren, Levi, Leanne, Lindsay, Lucy, Luke, Randy, Rob, Saber Bouquet, Skytalkers, Travis, and T. Once again, thank you all for listening. And until next time, may the force be with you always. Happy Pride. Bye. <laughs>